First of all, I want to say, wow, I know people don't like to sit in the front row, but <laughs> if it was up to me, I would totally take the stage and I would go way up there, but then they can't, you would, it would feedback so badly and we're having a little trouble with that. So I got to stay here, so, uh, you know, all right? But uh, <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys. All right, I owe you. <laughs> all right, so here we go. Uh, thank you, God. This is, when we picked this day, we were really uncertain, you know? Anything before the 4th of July is, is you know, craps at best, you know what I mean? It's just luck of the draw. And I just feel like God has just met us so gloriously. It's just perfect temperatures, perfect everything. Uh, I do want to say something, though, as nice as the day is, I want to say I think that this day has the chance of coming out to be glorious for quite a number of people here that didn't expect this today. I really do think that the Lord spoke something to me, that he's having me speak something. If you guys would even pray right now that it come out anywhere near what it went in, because if it does, I just think what it's going to do in people's hearts is going to cause this literally. Here's the word that God put into my heart was, is that this would be the first day of the rest of your life. That's what I think God is trying to do here today, and not just for people that are being baptized for the first time. I think that this is going to go way beyond that. And so with that in mind, uh, you know, just to save us the, the microphone problems and so on, I'll go ahead and pray for the sermon. And Lord, I come before, we come before you right now. And what I ask you for is, is that you would wipe out of us all the things that are of the world, that the only things that would be spoken would be the things right from your heart, that it would be your spirit speaking to our spirit, your heart. And that in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, it would go and be planted down deeply into a place where even today it would sprout a root and it would start becoming something new. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, as only you can do, would you take us on a journey today? Would you take us into the very center of your heart, your will? And then would you cause it to become something in the world? Speak into existence a new thing, even here, this moment. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do lift up a gathering place, and we just ask you, God, that you would meet them that you would overflow them in Jesus' holy and precious name with your presence. Amen. All right. A funny thing happened. Uh, so I, usually when I'm going to get what, you know, when I'm trying to figure out what a sermon's supposed to be, I go out on my walk and I ask God, what do you want to say? Right? That's, it's not what do you want me to say even. It's what do you want to say? And then however, is whatever that is that's what I go for and that develops this big concept and it rolls and it does all this kind of stuff but this one was totally different than this and in fact what it was like was is whenever I do a wedding and some of you have seen me do a wedding before and whenever I do a wedding there's this interesting thing that happens where I'll go out and I'll pray and I'll say the same thing what do you want to say to this couple and almost every single time what he'll do is he'll bring me a word just one word and as I, I know that word has life in it, and as I start unpacking what the life is, I start trying to find it and digging into it and thinking about it, meditating, praying, asking the Lord to show me what's in it. What will happen is, is that all of a sudden, it'll start like an onion. It'll layer open, 
and then layer open, and then layer open, and then finally, I know I've really got the right word, and I've really got the Lord, when all of a sudden, he opens something up to me that I just get dumbfounded. I just go, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. I'm not, it doesn't feel like I'm supposed to be learning anything new. Now, that's not true at all, of course, right? But I mean, you get the point. It's kind of like, wow, how could I have missed something so easy, so basic, so simple, and yet profound, and why didn't I know that, you know? And, and that's what will happen. So I went out for my walk, and I asked the Lord, what do you want to say? And he did what he normally does at a wedding, where what he did was he gave me one word, and that word was cleansed. Now, that's a pretty good word to get for baptism. I thought, well, I'm probably on the right track, right? But so then I started unpacking that, and I just want you to kind of go with me on this little journey so that you'll see it. So it starts like this. It starts, if I went to somebody who doesn't know the Lord and I asked them, what does it mean to be cleansed? What would they think, right? What does it mean to be cleansed? It's really simple, right? It's that yesterday, I'm gonna, we're gonna do more than just this, but yesterday, the, the, I don't even know what small group to call it. What's the name of the small group? I used to always call it the Thorson group just because, but it's Welters too, and it's a bunch of people. What's the, is there a name for the group? Okay, but it's one, of the, it's, one, it's one of these great small groups. And what they did is they adopted the backyard of, of, of Lake Sam. And you have to go back there and see it. They like cleaned everything up and then they resodded the entire back, back there. So it was like this huge project that they did. And I was just totally blown away by that. I, but when they were doing that, Right? What they're doing is we're asking somebody who doesn't know the Lord what to be cleansed is. And what it is is, is Doug was out there without his shirt on. And I got to say, Doug, I don't know how old you are, but impressive. Okay? <laughs> All right? But, you know, I mean, the point is, is that you go out and you work in the yard and you do things, right? And you get and everything else. And when somebody in the world hears the word cleansed, what do they think? Take a shower. Right? You got dirt on you. You've been sweating. You know, get some water, right? I would pour this all over myself, but I'm just going to spare us all that. And you got to do it. And sometimes, you know, you got to get a rag and you got to scrub away some of the stuff and everything else. But what people are thinking when they think cleansed is, you know, that nice long shower when it's been a little while and you've gotten a little grimy. So there you go, right? And, and this is what it is. This is what it means to be cleansed. Now, interestingly, if I go to somebody who knows the Lord and I ask them, what does it mean to be cleansed? Think about it. Even if it was just out of the blue, you're at the mall, and I walked up to you, and you were a Christian, and you knew I was a Christian, I asked you, what does it mean to be cleansed? What would you say? You wouldn't go to a shower at all, would you? Wouldn't you, right? I mean, immediately, what we do as Christians is, is that we say, to be cleansed means that there's this thing that happens in life. And it's before we know him, but it's also after we know him. Very much so. And what it is, is, is that we're going through our day, and even though we know him, I didn't really treat that person very well. I, I, I cut a corner on that project. I, I, uh, I took credit for something that somebody else did because it was advantageous to me, and I don't feel good about that. I've got a little grime going, right? I got a little, I was in a moment, and there was a little lust that, sprung up and something came of that there was an opportunity for me to step up and do the right thing and I didn't I what I did instead was I went ahead and 
and I, I obfuscated. You know what obfuscate means? It means lie. Okay? It's just a euphemistic way of saying I lied. Okay? You know, I, I let somebody knew I was saying something to somebody, and they t were taking it away that was better for me, and it wasn't quite true, but I went ahead and let them think it anyway. Right? I mean, can you, how long would I have to go in order to even begin to scratch the surface of literally the over million ways there are for us to do something that not just before we're Christians, but especially as Christians, that we've muddied ourselves. That we, right? I mean, we're, right? So when we think of being cleansed, what do we think of? I want, to, I want you to see a picture here. What we think of is Christ having died for us, but I want you to think about something. Here's what Christ does. He takes all the mud that's on me, that I've put on myself for my decisions, and he puts it all on him. Think about it this way. Jesus takes all the mud that's on every single one of us, and he lets it go on to himself. See it? And that mud starts to weigh him down so heavily that he gets pressed down into the dirt in death. You see it? The weight of the dirt from all of us buries him. And as Christians, what we say is if we understand that when he was buried, dead, the dirt couldn't hold him. Why? Because it wasn't his dirt. The reason why the dirt, the grave, can hold you and me is because it's you and me that did it, <laughs> right? But it wasn't his dirt. <laughs> so it was Teflon for him. He took it and went down with it. He took it with him, but it couldn't hold him. And so he comes back out glorious. He comes back out clean. And we understand as Christians that anybody who will accept what Jesus has done for them, anybody that will accept his cleansing presence, the act that he did in order to wipe them off, in order to wipe them clean, in order to bring that water. Um, you guys need to be really careful right now because I'm about to touch my microphone with water and either my ear is going to blow up or it's going to go fine. Okay? But I don't know if I got all this mud off, but anyway, the point is we come back up out of that water in Christ and we're clean. We're cleansed, aren't we? Now that's what it means. That's what it means to be cleansed by Christ, right? And then when we, if we were to answer that question in the mall, that's what we would say, right? Yeah, unless you thought about it a little bit more. Because you'd say that's very much a part of what it is to be cleansed. But here's the problem. Question. Would you rather be cleansed from the dirt that you had collected on the outside of you? Or if you could only have one of them, one or the other. Would you rather be cleansed of the gunk that was inside of you that was causing you to keep going back to the mud? Which would you rather do? I mean, we would all rather be cleansed from the inside, right? Because if you get cleansed from the outside, you quit wallowing in the mud. <laughs> and that's a good thing, right? I, I want you to think of, on the outside of us was dirt. This is like engine oil, okay? So this is a sludge. Do you see it? 
This is a thick molasses-y kind of a sludge. And what I want you to do is I want you to consider this to be a motor oil. Have you ever seen fresh motor oil, clean motor oil, good motor oil? You know, when you put that on your fingers, you totally see why that stuff works, don't you? It's just completely clean. It's totally slippery. It's virtually, you know, transparent, right? It's just totally this pure, perfect sort of slippery surface that it puts on there, right? Now, if you're changing your oil a lot, then you've got good, clean oil inside. But here's what I want to propose to you, and that is that most of us, even as Christians, have got this buildup of sludge going over the years, right? The engine has just sort of got this gunk inside. I want to do a little experiment with you in order, because I want you to just not only think things today, I want you to feel something. So what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes for a second, and I want you to think of, all right, inside of me is sludge. Okay, the, the engine's gummed up, it's gunked up, and every pocket of me, every part of me has just got this, this not viscous, but this slime, this gunk, right? And now here comes the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit doesn't all change on us. And what he does is he begins to put that additive in there, you know, the one that'll just clean up, it just miraculously takes everything out, and it starts to exchange all the gunk for this perfect, pure, perfect presence of him. Can you feel it? Just picture that your engine's running and he's just running this stuff through and every nook, every cranny, every single part of us is being washed clean by what the Holy Spirit's doing. Notice that the engine has to be running for him to do it. See that? Because he's working in our lives as we go in our lives and he's taking us into places where we used to do things and he's showing us why we used to lie and hide, why we used to cheat, why we go to things of pleasure and not things of trust, why we do all these things. And the Holy Spirit is teaching us the whole time and he's replacing all of that gunked up, just thick, yuck, and he's replacing it with the pure, clean, brilliant of the Holy Spirit that gets you to run in smooth, gets you to run in perfectly. That feels good, doesn't it? You can go ahead and open your eyes. I mean, I want you to say, does that feel good? It does to me. When I close my eyes and when I let that thought experiment happen to me, I go, I feel better, <laughs> right? I feel this thing of the Holy Spirit doing something, of cleaning me up from the inside and doing this thing, and that is wonderful. And this is a whole nother level of what it is to be cleansed, isn't it? Actually, a much more important level, even though the surface stuff is important too. This is much more important. In fact, let me just, a quick sidebar. Very important, though. Can I just make an, a strong appeal to everybody here about something? Would you quit thinking that God doesn't see everything? <laughs> Would you quit acting like maybe if you just hide it or cover it or, or maybe, you know, for the sin that you did, I did 10 good things, so somehow they equaled out? You know what I mean? What he cares about is, what he, what he wants from us is, is he wants us. Real us. He wants us just walking to him and saying, you've said confession is good for the soul. I want to show you why that is. Here's what happens. When we build a little facade so that we think, you know what, I did something bad, but you know, God, I did other good things, so I'm sort of okay. Here's the, here's the funny thing about facades, right? Nobody's ever fooled by them. Everybody always knows it's just a fake front, right? 
And nobody more than God knows that than the God who's behind that fake facade, right in the middle of that gunk. <laughs> right? So the point is, is what, what he's doing the whole time is, what we do is, is we try and make it all sort of feel and sound right to us, and we end up gunking it up when we do that. If we would just learn how to really confess, if we would learn it doesn't matter the good things that you did, the bad thing that you did, he wants to do something with. Namely, he wants to cleanse you from it, which doesn't just mean to clean up and forgive you for it. It means to get rid of what was going on underneath that made you choose that. Do you see it? Here's why confession is good for the soul. When you actually tell God why you actually want to do that again, <laughs> you want to do that? You want to come to God and take, you know, whatever sin it is that you got, right? You want to go to him and say, you know, there's a reason why I do that, God. Not as an excuse to him, but explaining to him, explaining to yourself. What's going on inside of yourself? Talking with him in a way that all of a sudden you can start seeing, oh my gosh, there is a desire in me for this thing in this particular fashion. And the more transparent I get with it, the more confessional I get with it, the more interactive with God and going after him and asking him to show me as I'm also plumbing the depths of it myself, the more that I enter into the exercise of genuine confession, the more he can actually cleanse me from what's underneath causing me to do these things. You see that? Confession is the additive. Confession's good stuff. Confession is incredibly important, and it's really important that people own this right now because of what's about to come. So I just want you to just, just take this one moment, and I want you to just for a second here, with you and the Lord, I want you to just... That thing that you try and hide from him, that thing that, you know, you, you just withhold, that thing that you know, I want you to just take a minute here and I want you to bring it before him onto his altar and just confess it, okay? Just start the dialogue that's going to continue in your devotionals and continue in your life. So take a minute here with him, would you? Now, I want to say that just feels like the very beginning, doesn't it? Let it be the very beginning. Let it be something that he starts talking to you about, that he starts working with you, that you start talking to him about what's going on in you for real, what parts of you that you can identify, and that you start letting him talk to you about what this really is to the way he sees it, because he sees it better than we do. And enter into that process of confession. But right now what I want us to see is, is that we've just learned about the dirt on the outside and we've just learned about the gunk on the inside. And now let me take you to the place that God kept peeling back the onion for me as I was praying about what to do. 
And let me take you to another place that I didn't ever understand until literally this sermon. I should have, and I've understood parts of it. That looks like fun. <laughs> I want to say something here. I, a lot of people here I know know the Lord well, and that they have an intimate relationship with Him. And there's a lot of people that are still working out what that means and how to do that and everything else. The people that know him well and the people that are still growing, all of us are still growing, right? Nobody knows him so well that we're done. Anybody is, wherever you're approaching him and coming in, that's valid too, right? But now watch. I don't think we can know what a genuinely intimate relationship with with the Lord the way that he has for us. I don't think that we can know that fully and truly as long as we're in these bodies. I want to propose to you that as much as Scripture talks about this being a temple of the Holy Spirit, my body, that the fact of the matter is is that it's not a very good temple. That it is in its own bondage. In fact, the Scripture also talks about it being a An encasement of death. It's a thing that we're in bondage to. Here's what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to get at that from our experience, we think we know what intimacy with God is because of in these bodies we've had these moments where God has shown us something and we've come into a closeness with him, right? And that's whether you're brand new to him or whether you're in them a long time, you've had those moments, and that's what pulls you forward. That's what moves you forward. That's the right principle, right? But I want to do something beyond this right now. I want us to understand that my body, in its tiredness, in its desires, in its frailty, in its diseases, in its just fallenness, that my body is, and again, I'm not saying you can't, there's, a, there's an old hair that has to do with our bodies are just ridiculous and so they're never going to get healed so just go ahead and buffet them all you want. Do anything you want because it doesn't matter. You're going to be freed. You're only spirit and that's all you are. That's a heresy. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about though something that has to do with who you actually are when you're freed from this body of death. This body that's going back into the ground. You know it is, right? I mean we're either going back into the ground by death or in the moment that Christ comes again, we're going to be transformed into the heavenly body that he had, which is quite different than the bodies you and I have, right? Can you suddenly appear here and then suddenly disappear here? Well, then the body Christ has is different than yours in his resurrected body. And I want us to understand that the world is so fallen that it brings down our understanding of what intimacy with God is And it sets the target in the wrong place. Let me tell you what I mean when I say that. The World Cup's going on right now. Most of you have seen the goal where the, you know, not the header at the end, but the goal that was the corner kick right all the way across the field, came off of the, the side of the goal, the pole, and bounced into the goal, right? Now, if you're a striker and you have no idea where the goal is, Are you ever going to get it in? Particularly if somebody's guarding it and they can see what's going on and you can't. You're never going to get it in the goal, right? 
If you're a striker, you have to know what your goal is. In fact, you don't just, by the way, a striker, basketball, football, all these things are the same way. You never look at the whole goal. You never do. What you do is, is you look and you see where's the little bit of vulnerability that's possible and you start narrowing it down into one very specific thing so that you've trained your body so that you've brought yourself along through all of the training and everything else that you can make your body do what it takes in order to deliver the ball to the precise place where it needs to be in order to get the goal. When you're playing basketball, this is a, anybody who wants to get good at basketball, quit shooting at the hoop. Start picking a point on the hoop and hit that. When you get it down, this is the softball thing where the women's softball team used to beat everybody in the world by huge scores. You know how they did it? These softballs are coming at you at 90 miles an hour. What, these, what they were doing to train was is that they were saying, when that softball's coming at you, they would put the girls in the batter's box and they would say, tell me which way the ball's spinning. That was the first thing they had to figure out. So they quit looking at the ball and they started having to look at a part of the ball. Which way is it spinning? By the time they got done, they could tell you how many rotations the ball was taking before it hit. They could tell you, they could see the seam on the ball at 90 miles an hour in spin. That's a really easy ball to hit now. Because you've locked it down. Because you've come to see what it is. And here's what I think God is trying to do with us today in this moment right now. I think he's trying to do something not just with the people who have signed up to be baptized and have never been baptized before. I think he's trying to do something with people that have already been baptized and that is I think he wants to reset your goal today. I think he wants to show you something about what's possible that in our travails, in our trials, in our walking through life we become muddy and gunked up a little bit and we think that that's the Christian walk. When in fact, it's not at all. So there's a third little thought experiment, a sort of moment that I want you to have right now. And that is, once again, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to picture something. It's a beautiful day, right? And there's a bird soaring above us, right? And this bird is soaring and flying. And just picture it in your mind. And now this bird, one of these big fly, you know, the, one, the ones that really can float good, right? You know, eagle type thing. And all of a sudden it catches an updraft. And that updraft starts to take that bird up towards the heavens. Until it is escaping the bonds of earth, as we call it. Now I want you to picture yourself in this body of death. As much as we're supposed to be redeeming it. As much as we're supposed to be getting it trained to that small target as much as we're supposed to be doing that I want you to see a new target today and the new target is I want you to picture yourself freed from this body of bondage and soaring up in the spirit soaring up catching an updraft of the Holy Spirit as it begins to take you higher and take you higher and take you higher and who's waiting for you in the cloud is God and you're just being lifted up, freed from everything. Freed from everything that this life is. Now with your eyes closed, are you starting to see a new target? I want you to see a new reality. I want you to understand that this reality that you're seeing right now, this is what's actually true about us. The thing, that has the, the thing that has the compromise, the thing that is weighted down. When you 
new Christian, aren't you just free? But what happens when you get to be an older Christian? There's plenty of stuff that happens. It frees you and it's wonderful. But what happens when we start just thinking, well, this is what life is and it's just bound and it's got some tethers on us and it's holding us down and it's holding us back. And all of a sudden, what I want you to do is have all those things cut away and have you released from it. And I want you to just be flying up and you are coming right into his very bosom. You're coming right into his outstretched arms. You're coming right into him who is enveloping you with love and a smile. Having been freed from all, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You can open your eyes now. We have to have that image in our minds or we'll always be shooting at something less than what's already true. In theology, we call it now, not yet. The now is that we're that free. That's the truth. The not yet is there's still some confession. There's still some working through. There's still some moments to be had with him. Now, in about five minutes, we're going to be going into the water and we're going to be baptizing some people that have said that they want to be baptized. And what they're doing is, is they're experiencing that first baptism. And I want to speak to it for one moment, but then I want to speak to you where I think God's got us today. It's more than just that. In that first baptism, what are you doing? You're proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, that he is the one that died for you, that he is the one that took it down into the grave. You're, you're proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, that he died for you, that he forgave you, has washed you clean from everything that is on the outside. That's what you do. You proclaim it here, and that's why we love to do these things in a public place, because it's a public proclamation that we make, right? So you're making a public proclamation that Jesus died for you, that you understand that you've accepted it, that you are being washed clean on the outside by him but even more what we're doing is is that we're saying this is baptism and this is the water right the red sea when we think of we think of sin we think of repent from sin which is to turn your foot from it i want you to think in baptism what you're doing is you're doing the, the even more full thing that you're supposed to do with sin which is what you're doing is i stand on this side of the gulf and what i do when i'm baptized is i go down like the egyptian into the red sea and i I am in this place of death with Christ. And I come back up on the other side. New. I come back up a new creature. I come back up new. Now we understand that actually the time when you were made new was is that when you accepted Christ as your Lord, you understood that he's the one who died for you. You understand that he is the one who is in charge of your life. You understand all these things. And so that's when you actually were made new. But we do this publicly in baptism to proclaim that I know that I have been made new. Do you see it? Okay? And that's what you do when you're baptized the first time. But I've just added another element to you, haven't I? And the element that I've added is, is that I want us to see that what he's trying to do is to set you free. Utterly free. It's not just a public proclamation of what he has done it is this thing that God has been talking to us about for months now, which is he is not just your Savior on the cross 
for all the sins that you did until you accepted him as Lord. He is your Savior every day. Every moment of every day, he is your Savior. Right? This is what he's doing with us. He's trying to save us from ourselves all the time. This is what confession is. This is what all the things we're doing is. Everybody's looking at what did he do? Did he run out of gas? Or I saw a lot of people start looking out there. He needs to be baptized. That was good. I, I, want, I want us to own something in our gut. I want us to own that what we thought of baptism as is being washed clean, publicly proclaiming that, being made new. It's publicly acknowledging that. But today, like I said, I think there's something else that the Lord wants to do with us, and that is that he wants to tell you. He wants you to publicly proclaim, and not just to the public, but to yourself. He wants you to proclaim that I am free. 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 Free is that bird catching the updraft, going on him. Nothing tethering me. Nothing holding me. Nothing sullying me. Free. That's who I really am right now. That's the truth. And that resets our target for what we're supposed to be. Now watch. There's people who are here, they're going to get baptized for the first time, and they're saying this, and, they, and it's awesome, isn't it? Isn't it right? The first time that you got baptized and you said this, didn't it feel great? It was like so freeing, wasn't it? It made you feel good, right? I am free. Well, what the heck happened? <laughs> if you go to this church for very long at all, you know something, and that is that I blur the lines completely between baptism and rebaptism. Why? Because I believe in rebaptism as much as I do baptism. Because I believe in making a public proclamation that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And not just on the cross, but that he's dying for that. He died for them, and then I am I'm appropriating that. I am bringing that into my life every single moment of my life, if I will. But let him do the work that he wants to do in me. If I'll hold on to my own stuff, then I'm tethered, and good luck. But that the fact of the matter is, is that he has become Lord that he has made me new, that he has purchased me, and that what I'm about is following him. He's the decider of my life. He's the thing. And what I'm doing, see, when you're, when you're first baptized and you're saying, I'm going to follow him in everything that I do, it's like getting married. You get married and what do you think to yourself? Happily ever after. Any happy ever afters in the crowd? Well, if not, then what the heck? <laughs> right? What's going on? Well, watch what's going on. Watch this now. I want to propose to you that the second thing can be much greater than the first. In the garden, we were Adam and Eve. Would it have been better to have never fallen? Would it? Absolutely. How great not to have ever known anything about sin and about fallenness and about rebellion and about all the things that we... Would it have been awesome to have never known anything about that? So would it have been better to have never fallen? What's the answer? Because don't forget this. It's the yes. It would have been better to have never fallen. But here's the way that God works. Here's this, what resurrection power is. When the worst thing happens, it makes possible something that is better than it ever could have been if the worst thing hadn't happened. Jesus Christ being killed by the people that he made is the worst thing that could have ever happened. 
And yet, it brings us into a oneness with him ultimately in heaven and glimpses of now that is better than the oneness that Adam and Eve had in the garden. The heaven to come is better than the garden was and it's because of the fall. I want to propose to you that as wonderful as it is to get baptized the first time, there is a certain naivete and ignorance in it. Own that puppy, right? Have the, make the honeymoon last as long as it can, <laughs> right? But then when the other stuff starts coming, don't start getting into despair. Don't start compromising what's true. Don't start compromising what's holy. Don't start compromising what's better. Don't start compromising what's richer. Don't start compromising what is the glory that is true even though you're not experiencing it. I think what God wants to do today, honestly, I'm being just totally blunt and upfront. I think God wants to rebaptize a whole lot of people because I think he wants us to go down there proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, proclaiming that I have been died and raised again and that I've been made new, proclaiming these things. But I think what he really wants us to do is I think he wants us, when we go into that water, I think he wants us to see what's true, what's more true than we've come to believe. And I think he wants us coming up out of that water saying, I'm free. I know what freedom looks like. I've got a new sight, sight set. I've got my target readjusted. I have become somebody who's going after what he is, what he can do, what he's already done in me, in fact. Does that make sense? Do you see this? I think being rebaptized because you're not ignorant anymore. I don't mean that ignorance in a bad way. It's nice to be ignorant. <laughs> but once you aren't ignorant anymore, then what? There's an even greater glory to be had. And I want to suggest to you that that's a glory that he wants a lot of people to experience today. As they re-see, as they reset, as they get another understanding of what it is to be free. So that's what we're going to go do. So get up. Come down to the water. You're going to go across. I'm actually going to go in first. And the reason why I'm going to go in first is because th this is what the Lord spoke to me. Okay? And so I'm going to go in, and, and then uh, we're going to start bringing people down. And if you want to be rebaptized, here's the deal. We've got towels. We've got people that will pray for you. We've got everything that you need. And we just want to go until God's done. Okay? And God's done when you're done. And so let's not let him be done quickly. Let's, get, let's take this moment and let it become something new. You may not be prepared to get wet. Don't worry about it, okay? It's a sunny day. You'll dry off. We got towels, okay? So come on down.